Hackett has the ball. Trojans in transition. Penrose is alone. They get it to Penrose for the three. Welcome to Believe in USC Basketball, everybody. My name is Aiden Berg, and today I am joined by my co-host and Trojan legend, Christopher Penrose. Chris, how are you doing today? I'm awesome. How are you doing? I'm doing good, and uh, another person who is doing good is Evan Mobley, the the star freshman, as expected, declared for the NBA draft this morning, uh, this morning being Friday. We're planning on putting this episode out on Monday. Um, but, you know, just you know, as I said, there's no surprise with that from Evan Mobley, but he did lead the team in scoring, rebounding, blocks. He was the first player in uh, Pac-12 history to win player, defensive player, and freshman of the year. I think we detailed all of that at the time that it was announced that he won the award. Um, so, Chris, I guess I, I just wanted to ask you how you reflect on on watching Evan Mobley for his one year in college and what you think he might be able to do in the NBA. You know, the, the biggest gripe I have about Evan Mobley is I, I wasn't able to see him play in person. Um, and I think it's, it's an, it's, it's a sadness that we all have because if you've been watching USC basketball for as long as, you know, a, a lot of our, our, our longtime fans have to not have the opportunity to see Evan Mobley play in a Trojan uniform at the Galen center in person is, is, t- is a tough pill to swallow. Um, he's, a, he's a once in a lifetime type talent, um, you know, like you said, he, he's the first player in Pac-12 history to win all three of those awards. Uh, he was just so dominant on the defensive end. You know, as the year progressed, he became more dominant on the offensive end. Um, just such a great player to watch. And then, you know, take into account that he was, you know, even even uh, he- even headed, uh, you know, cool, calm, collected, uh, you know, good person, uh, great with the media. Um and, and just an overall, you know, good young kid. Um, and you put all those things together and it's a very special basketball player that we all got to watch on TV, which is great, but it would have been fantastic if we could have seen him in person. And I know some of those diehard fans were able to get out to Indianapolis and see him play a couple of games in person. But, um, you know, it, it, it's a bummer for me uh, that I that I never got to see him play live and in action. Um, but, you know, it's it's sad to see him go uh, because, you know, he would be so amazing next year. Uh, obviously, we all expected him to be one and done. He'll be a top, you know, three pick. I think just about every NBA draft board has him at like the number two overall pick right now. So, you know, he's he's going to do what's best for him. And that's what we would all expect. And, you know, we wish only the best for Evan moving forward. And, you know, it also, you know, last year we had Onyeko Okongwu uh, go in the first round if he was the seventh overall pick. Um, and now we're going to have, you know, a top three overall pick in Evan Mobley. And so it's great for the program. It continues to keep the program out there in front of these young kids who are trying to make their college decisions. Um, you know, it's bringing USC basketball to prominence. Uh, and that's what that's what we all want. So, you know, it's, it's good news all around. Um, you know, very happy for Evan and, you know, it's going to be fun to cheer for him in the NBA next year. Yeah. For me personally, he is the best USC athlete I think I've seen in my four years at at the school. And, you know, I'm a big, you know, when looking at big men, how do they move and what does that say about how they're going to be able to, you know, translate to the next level? I don't know how many big guys I've seen who can move as fluidly and as well as he can. So, I have, you know, big, big 
expectations for him moving on to the NBA just because of that athleticism and also everything that you said about how unselfish he is, how good of a kid he is. All-around steel level is really high, so certainly, as you said, wishing the best for him. Would have been awesome to see him see him back in Cardinal and Gold for another year, but certainly it seems like a, a good decision to, to go to the NBA and, and be the top three, at least pick, like you said. Another big... Uh, USC basketball bit of news we had a lot (laughs) come in over the last week and a half or so um, was that the program was put on probation by the NCAA which kind of came in at at a weird time from from the decision process but uh, it's here the USC men's basketball program is on two years probation fined five thousand dollars and then also find 1% of the program's budget because of the whole Tony Bland situation uh, where he was an assistant coach who accepted a bribe from a sports management company um, for players with NBA potential. And Chris, you know, I, I, I was just kind of surprised to see the news come in. I, I, it's kind of like a thing that had slipped my mind a little bit uh, that USC was a, a part of this whole you know, scandal. I think maybe like the college admissions scandal came along and kind of pushed it out of my mind a little bit. But when you saw, you know, the decision come in, what were your first thoughts? Uh, you know, it, probation for two years is is basically nothing. Uh, Five thousand dollar fine for this program is basically nothing. Um, you know, it's it's funny. You know, it, the NCAA it took you three years to come up with that. Like, what do you guys actually do? Um, and, and I can, I could spend another hour talking about my thoughts on, on the NCAA and how they handle investigations like this. But, um, you know, I don't want to go dark. I don't want to go down that dark rabbit hole cause I can go down that quickly, but yeah. you know, it, it, I feel like this is the, the first like actual shoe to drop, uh, and close out. This is like the first team to like get closed out of that investigation. Um, it makes me really curious to see what's going to happen with Arizona and LSU, uh, if you watch the documentary about this whole investigation on HBO, uh, you know, you have two coaches at LSU and in Arizona who are on tape uh, talking about paying players. So mm-hmm. I, 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 I'm, I'm more interested. What, what USC got is what they got. It's fine. We'll move on. Um, you know, it, it, it's 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 not great that you know, D'Anthony Melton had to sit out for a full year. The NCAA probably looked at that very favorably when coming down with these sanctions. But at the end of the day, you know, the NCAA is going to come out, come out and come down on coaches who pay players to get them to go to school where they are. Right. And in this case with Tony Bland, you know, he accepted some money from an agent uh, basically to get a meeting with D'Anthony Melton. Right. It had nothing to do. D'Anthony Melton was already in school. Um, it had nothing to do with paying players while they're in school. Um, it was about introducing a certain player to an agency. So, you know, I, I, I think it's ridiculous that, you know, we've seen Will Wade and Sean Miller continue to coach over these past few years. And Tony Bland isn't a coach somewhere. Um, you know, I know Tony personally uh, from the San Diego State days and uh, you know, obviously when, when he was a coach at SC and he is one of the greatest people that I know, he's a fantastic human being. I can see how he got excited about something and probably made a mistake and said something he shouldn't have said. Um, and, you know, we're all human. We all make mistakes. And I know Tony has learned from that. And 
I would hope that one day he gets back into college basketball coaching because he's fantastic at what he does. And, uh, you know, he deserves to be back. He deserves to be back in college basketball. Um, so that whole thing is very interesting. Um, what's going to happen with these other schools? I, I'm sure we're going to find out sooner rather than later. If this came out, I'm sure the other shoes will drop shortly after. Um, everything happening with Arizona's coaching search and Sean Miller now no longer being at the University of Arizona is also very intriguing because um, I'm sure they know what's coming. Uh, and so they're trying to kind of get out ahead of it with kind of releasing Sean Miller of his duties and, and trying to find someone else. So we'll see. Yeah. And just to kind of put this in perspective, the, the bribe that was accepted was uh, a little over $4,000. It was $4,100. And part of the, a, I guess a, a fair part of the probation and the, the punishment was to find the program $5,000. So, you know, it's not like, a, it's not like you said, it's, it's not a, a huge deal by any means. And just for, you know, people who might not be completely aware, when you say the program is on two years probation, you know, what does that mean exactly? It's kind of, you know, what does that kind of look like in terms of uh, the actual punishment for the program? So basically, it just means that if you if you screw up, <laughs> your, your punishment's going to be like three times worse than what it would be if you weren't on probation. Right. Um, so it, to be honest, it's a slap on the hand and it's a, hey, we're watching you. It's it's nothing more than that. Uh, USC will still be able to play in the Pac-12 tournament. will still be able to play in the NCAA tournament. Um, I don't think there's, there's no scholarship restrictions or anything like that. Uh, everything is back to normal other than the fact that the NCAA is basically saying, hey, we're watching you. Yeah. So certainly not a, a Reggie Bush kind of situation. Um, at this point, USC fans have a, a fair amount of experience dealing with their teams being in the news for these kind of things. So as compared to previous examples, not exactly a huge punishment. So I think from there we can, we can probably move on. And Chris, uh, like we said, there's a lot of USC basketball news recently. And before Evan Mobley today, uh, the probation news, it was other roster decisions and, and, and things that will affect what the team is going to be looking like for the next season. So I want to play a little game of big deal or little deal with you. And we're going to go through each of the you know re- returnees or the people who are leaving or the people who are coming into the program and say, is this a big deal or a little deal for the program? Uh, are you ready hey, to let's start? Let's do it. Let's do yeah. it. So the first uh, decision that came in was, Redshirt senior guard Taj Edie, and I feel like I could probably expect what your d- answer is going to be for this one, but he declared for the NBA draft last Thursday, so not this last, basically a week and a half ago by the time that people are listening to this podcast. So, what is your verdict? Is that a big deal or a little deal for USC? It's a big deal. I mean, you know, Taj was so great for the program this year. Um, I mean, he had some amazing moments and amazing games. You know, the Oregon game where he had over 20 points in the first half, you know, the game at UCLA where he hits the game when he shot Holly Pavilion in front of, you know, in, in front of the SC bench or just across from the SC bench. Like he, he was such a huge focal point of our offense and how he was able to create and make shots, uh, score basically at will when he wanted to. Um, and then defensively, I thought he was, he was a great on ball defender. So that is going to be a tough one for us. Um, 
but you know, we, we do have a transfer coming in, which I'm sure is, is going to be uh, talked about in this little game that I think will back him up uh, uh, pretty, pretty great. Um, but uh, that is a big deal. It's a big loss for us. Yeah, definitely. And anytime that you lead your, you lose your second leading scorer and your leading assist guy, that's going to be a, a big deal. Right. And he was also mm-hmm. second team, all conference. That's just going to affect your team. But it is also, you know, college sports as opposed to professional where, you know, you're just kind of used to this turnover and guys coming in and out. And especially when Tajidi came in as a, you know, a transfer, a redshirt senior transfer, he could have come back for another year for sure. But, you know, he, he's not someone who has become completely ingrained in the culture of the program and everything. He was here for a year. It was a great year. He played amazing. Um, but, you know, he his example kind of shows what this team can do with someone who is coming in uh, for, I guess, a, a smaller period of time than someone that you recruit. Of course, he had those big moments that you referenced, the game winner against UCLA, went off in both of those games against Oregon. Super consistent source of perimeter offense for a team that really needed it. And like you said, I, and, and I kind of felt was surprisingly effective as, as a defender for a guy yeah. who isn't super big. Um, or super explosive, I guess I would say. But he really mm-hmm. played well defensively against those lead guards. So I certainly think it's a big deal, but also kind of just a natural part of you're in college sports, you're going to have to replace players like Tajidi. So uh, we will we will get to the guy who's coming in to maybe fill some of that role. But first I want to get to Chavez Goodwin, the redshirt senior forward, who did use that extra year of eligibility that he's going to get because of the uh, – COVID year, I guess we can call it. He announced on Instagram last Monday, so a week ago for people who are listening to this, that he was going to be coming back to the team. And especially given the the news that came in this morning, uh, this Friday morning, I think that this is a big deal because he was a huge part as a, as a third big for this team. But I really did feel like USC was you know kind of coming out ahead of that because he could have held down starters minutes for uh, for this team. And when he came in, he was attacking those those bench guys and and playing really well. And I feel like in a bigger role, he can, you know, shine even more. Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, this is a big deal. Um, you know, if you look at, you know, who SC has, you know, as their bigs coming back, you know, Bubakar is, is raw. Um, you know, he still needs to get a lot better and put on some weight. Um, and then you have Josh Morgan, uh, who's a transfer from Long Beach State who, you know, was able to suit up last year, even though he just transferred in, um, you know, he he still has a long ways to go. Um, and if you're telling me that, you know, your bigs next year are either going to be Josh Morgan or uh, Bubakar, I think we're going to be in some trouble. But having uh, Chavez back, uh, you know, I think he will get better. Uh, he was a little, he, he was a little hectic, Um in in the post when he got the ball some games, but there were some games where he actually looked really good. Um, You know, that UCLA game at Pauley Pavilion, he was dominant down the stretch there uh, in those last 10 minutes. Um, But two things he's really going to have to work on is free throws uh, and foul trouble. I mean, I I think he, he led the team in fouls, um, especially like on a per minute basis, he probably led the country in fouls. Um, So that's something he's going to have to be smarter defensively, uh, but he's a big presence, and uh, I'm glad he's going to be back for another year. We're going to need a big like him. Yeah, and especially if we don't know how I, how Isaiah Mobley's decision is going to turn out, but mm-hmm. especially if he comes back, I just like how those two fit 
together. You know, obviously USC's best lineups were probably with the two Mobleys out there just because they're very good players and they have synergy as brothers and all of that. But when Isaiah was out there playing with Chavez and, uh, you know, Goodwin could be the guy down in the post who was kind of, you know, banging with guys down there. And then Isaiah could be kind of like a do-it-all kind of big, shoot a little bit from the outside, uh, be a good passer, all of that. I just liked how those two guys fit. So yeah, especially if Isaiah comes back, uh, I, I think that they, that USC is going to still be looking pretty good at the big position. Uh, let's jump now to the typical transfer for, for a USC team that has made uh, pretty pretty good uh, you know pretty good standing off of it off the transfer portal in recent years. Memphis guard Boogie Ellis, who also happens to be a San Diego native and a former That's right. high four star or even five star recruit, depending on what outlet you look at. Uh, I know, Chris, you don't love the the star system, but he was one of the top recruits coming out, right? And uh, so he announced his transfer to USC for his junior year on Twitter, also on that Monday that Chavez Goodwin made that announcement. So, Chris, when you look at this, is this a big deal or a little deal for USC? It, it, I would actually say it's a huge deal. Um, this is this is a big-time transfer for the Trojans. Uh, you know, I... I'm frustrated that, you know, Boogie Ellis didn't make this decision out of high school. Um, but, you know, it is what it is. He's coming He's coming back to Southern California, which is great. Um, you know, at the end of the day, he just didn't fit in that Memphis system. It wasn't a good system for him. Um, you know, I believe he was like their sixth man off the bench. Uh, and I think that, you know, he's going to come in. He's going to start right away. He's going to give SC that you know, that solid point guard that, that SC needs. Um, you know, you look at, you know, Ethan Anderson and Tajidi last year, and none of them are true point guards. They're really kind of like off the ball scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, Boogie Ellis is a scorer, but he's a true point guard. So SC is finally going to have that like true point guard feel um, that, that we've kind of been lacking, honestly, since like Jordan McLaughlin, like that, that's the type of guy that Boogie Ellis could be. So that'll be great to have him running the show. Um, and, you know, to have Ethan Anderson kind of as a, you know, secondary point guard or as a two guard, I think those two will work very well together. Yeah, it's going to be super interesting to see how Andy Enfield makes his lineup decisions. I feel like he's had some of the most important and intriguing lineup decisions to make over the last, you know, like two years or so with the mm-hmm. bigs last year, um, some, of, some of the decisions with the, with the grad transfers this year. But it, it'll certainly be interesting to see. Boogie Ellis, Ethan Anderson, how they fit into the backcourt. Do they play together? Does Ethan come off the bench? Uh, does Boogie even come off the bench? What what decision does Enfield make with that? But, um, you know, I, I certainly agree with you. This is a big deal. And it may not work out. You know, you, you look at his stats. Ellis only averaged 10 points per game, 40% shooting. Um, didn't contribute in a ton of ways as a sophomore in Memphis. Like you said, the system maybe wasn't really for him. And then he also looked, he initially committed to Duke and then got out of that letter of intent to end up going to Memphis. So there's just, you know, a lot of, that's three teams basically since he was, uh, since he, since he's been making this decision process. So, you know, that can be a a little bit off-putting, but you also look at this, like I said, USC just had success with a smaller offensively talented guard who transferred in after struggling a bit at the last location. You know, Taj Edi came in with you know some amount of hype from Santa Clara, but he actually lost his starting job uh, during his last year uh, there in, in 2020. So yep. uh, USC has this experience with bringing in these smaller guards 
and 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 making something of them. And, and Tajidi certainly is, is a success story in that regard. And then you also look at it, he had a lot of his biggest moments in the biggest games, kind of similar to Edie. He had 27 mm-hmm. points against Houston, which was a Final Four team in the AAC tournament. And then also 23 points in the NIT championship win over Mississippi State. And then one thing that I think uh, that you really need to point out with him is, yes, he, w- he was the sixth man for, for most of the season, but he actually took over as a starter uh, at, at the point guard spot at the beginning of February. And from there, Memphis went 11-2, and two, and he averaged 12.3 points per game as opposed to the 10 that he averaged for the, the season overall. There you go. So it, it maybe looks like when he's in a bigger role, he you know kind of has more confidence, can have more impact on the game. And uh, that's certainly something that Enfield will probably be taking into account. And he's got two years left. So, I mean, you're hoping that, you know, you have that stability at that point guard position for two solid years moving forward. So, uh, you know, that, that that's a great thing, too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So we will see how, how that plays out. Certainly, I think the the biggest, you know, well, it's really the only addition, I guess, so far, but uh, kind of like a a hype train. I, I guess I wouldn't say hype train, but it's it, it's a it's a big get, I would say, for USC. And there's some there's some hype about getting a former, you know, kind of on the periphery five star recruit who's from yeah. Southern California. So exactly. uh, certainly excited to see how that plays out. Yeah. Another decision that came in on that Monday, it was a big day for, for USC basketball. Noah Bowman uh, announcing his transfer to Georgia for his redshirt senior year. Um, Chris, what are you thinking about this decision? You know, it, it's, it's a little deal. Um, you know, I like Noah. I like his game. At the end of the day, he couldn't, he couldn't guard. Um, and if you play for Andy Enfield, and especially for Capco and Jay Hart, you need to play defense. Um, and we saw him get exposed on the defensive end, especially when he got minutes in the tournament against some of those big-time teams. Um, he, he's an incredible shooter. Uh, we saw him hit some big shots this year. Um, but at the end of the day, he was a defensive liability, and we couldn't play him. So, you know, I don't like to speak ill of anyone. I wish Noah only the best and, you know, a successful rest of his career at Georgia. I mean, it's a great school to transfer into. Um, you know, when I was going – you know, out of high school, I almost went to Georgia to play for Jim Herrick. Uh, you know, it's a great school, uh, you know, fantastic conference in the SEC. And, uh, you know, I hope I hope he's successful down there. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I, I, I certainly agree with you. The defense was the was the biggest issue in him getting play time. And I think it was just kind of the classic downside of, of the tweener, which is kind of become all the rage in basketball. But it's like, he he wasn't quite athletic enough to guard to guard guys out on the perimeter. Not quite big enough to play, you know, with guys inside. And and I just kind of made it made it difficult for him to find someone to defend out there. Yeah. Um, but certainly, I agree that the shooting, you know, especially for a team that doesn't have a whole ton of it and struggled with it, um, you know, he he wasn't on the on the court a whole ton because of those defensive issues. But if he could have been, that shooting would have really helped out a team that kind of struggled with that stuff and, and spacing at times. So yeah, uh, exactly. certainly, like you said, wishing him the best at Georgia, and uh, you know, hopefully he can he can find a little more a little more time there to to play with. But I think I'm gonna I'm gonna side with you on this one. It's uh, it's probably probably a little deal just when you look at the the minutes that he played for the team last year. Exactly. And then our last. Uh, person to talk about is uh, KJ Allen, who is the JUCO player from East Los Angeles College. He was on the first season of Last Chance U basketball. 
Uh, he flipped his commitment to Texas Tech last Tuesday. So, uh, Chris, when you look at that, what you know, how are you feeling? Big deal or a little deal? That's a big deal. Um, you know, that's a that's a, you know instant offense that were uh, that we were counting on. Um, that's now going to now going to Texas Tech. So, uh, you know, the good news is that there's still a lot of transfers out there. Um, you know, I think if there's one thing we know Coach Enfield and his coaching staff is good at, it's it's working that that transfer portal. Um, and so hopefully we'll we'll be able to get someone um, to kind of step in there. But, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I mean, I, I think, you know, looking at this roster that, you know, Reese Waters uh, is going to need to score points for this team next year. Um, you know, unless we get someone else to come in, uh, you know, that's a guy that that I think – you know, it's going to have to step up and be able to shoot the ball and score at will. Um, so we'll have to see what happens. But that is that is a, a big loss for the Trojans. Yeah, it, it, and I also can't even really blame him because you look. There's just a procession of players that have been leaving Texas Tech since Chris Beard announced mm-hmm. that he was leaving for Texas, and he's gonna he's gonna get big playing time. I, yeah, I, he's I gonna be the guy. Which you know, for for a JUCO guy who is a three star ranking, basically, it's pretty good uh, to go yeah. to a team that was just in the Final Four uh, a few years ago. So um, I can't even really blame blame him for his decision. Um, but I, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I'm entirely with you on on the big deal part. I you know he he is a three star ranking. Um, USC also has Harrison Hornery coming in, who who's a freshman and is you know a higher higher ranked kind of player, higher higher talent. And I, I, I would imagine that there's going to be maybe some preference to try to get him some, some playing time when he's going to be here for longer with the team, I, I, I'd imagine. So, uh, you know, you just kind of look at all of that. I don't know exactly how much time KJ Allen would have been able to play with this team, uh, you know, especially if Isaiah Mobley comes back and, and takes up, you know, one of those big, big slots as well. But we will see. Uh, KJ Allen's certainly a talented guy. Uh, mm-hmm. We're gonna we're gonna see how well he plays it at Texas Tech, and uh, as we said with all with these other guys who are taken off, nothing but the best uh, for him and, and the future of his career. But as we're speaking about Texas Tech, I just wanted to to wrap with something that is absolute complete speculation <laughs> and not not anything to take as any report or anything. But there was a guy who what who was in the transfer portal last season who ended up going to Texas Tech. And USC was in his final, you know, group of, of teams. I am, of course, talking about Mac McClung. Yep. And he is doing the, I'm going to declare for the NBA draft, but also put my name in the transfer portal thing. Mm-hmm. And I think that there is a, a possibility. I, I don't think that he's a major, you know, NBA prospect. I think there is a possibility that he ends up coming back for, for another year uh, of college basketball. And in that case... USC does, you know, need more perimeter players, right? Mm-hmm. Chris, do you think that that's even a, a slight possibility given that USC was in his final group uh, last year? And then what would he potentially bring? We could, we could talk more about that uh, if, if he actually makes the decision. But what, what would he bring to this team? I mean, he, you know, I saw him play a couple times last year. Um, and in big games, I saw him play in a uh, Big 12 uh, uh a tournament game and I saw him play in the NCAA tournament and I know he's a good player. I know he can score. I know he's, you know, he's a good driver and he can hit the three. Wasn't totally impressed with his performance in big games. And maybe I just saw, you know, I saw a very small sample size. Um, 
So I, I could be totally skewed. Um, I know he's a good player, but I, I would be absolutely shocked if he made the decision to go into the NBA draft this year. I think okay. maybe after next season, I could totally see him going into the NBA draft and maybe being a late first round pick. Uh, on potential um, but I think he 100% needs more time uh, in college and have some bigger games especially on a big tournament stage like that um, but I mean if he were to commit to SC um, you know that kind of fills a big big gap of you know where do we where do we try to go when we need a basket down you know six with two minutes left um, that is the biggest question mark for me uh, with this team for next year um, and Matt McClung would definitely fill that void. So it would be fantastic. Uh, I don't know who's in his top five right now if he does come <laughs> back. Um, but I do know you're absolutely right that SC was, was you know, very close to landing him uh, last year. So we'll have to see what happens. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, he's not a top 10 prospects, you know, like the Onyeko Kongwu, Evan Mobley's. But what you said about raising the profile of, of the program with those guys, I think absolutely applies to Mac McClung, just mm-hmm. given, you know, all the hype that was around him in, in high school. Uh, you know, it seemed like every week he was putting out a different, you know, crazy dunk in, in one of those games. And uh, he's he's still been a a good player in, in college, especially this last year as probably the best player on, on Texas Tech. So, um I think it would be another another profile raising kind of move for for USC to get him, and uh, in addition to the kind of feeling, you know, the need of having more more perimeter presence offensively, especially yeah. from uh, from this team, because you know Boogie Ellis is a great addition, but that's just kind of filling in for what what Tajidi just left, and, and if if Boogie Ellis can even do that with how with how well Tajidi played this year, so yeah. Um, Looking for more guard play, more offensive guard play, just perimeter play in general, I think is something that USC needs to do. Totally agree. Well, that's going to do it for today's show. Thank you to everyone for listening. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and everywhere else that podcasts exist. Thanks again for tuning in, and we will see you next week. Fight on. Fight on. Fight on.